Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. The next section here is James chapter 3 verses 1 to 12 and it talks about uh, the tongue. It talks about the tongue. Uh, and how do we get approved with reference to the tongue? Because, you know, uh, somebody said, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never harm me. And I think whoever said that or wrote that was obviously deaf, because um, words can really cut deep. Uh, a Sunday school teacher asked Johnny, do you think Noah did a lot of fishing when he was on the ark? And, and no, replied Johnny, how could he? He just had two worms. You know, and so sometimes we, we don't really think what we say. The, the preacher's five-year-old daughter noticed that her father always paused and bowed his head on a moment before starting his sermon. One day she asked him why. Well, honey, he began, proud that his daughter was so observant of his messages. I'm asking the Lord to help me preach a good sermon. And she ans- answered and said, how come he doesn't answer it? And so we often, you know, say things and, and we don't really consider them. I think our tongues can get us into a lot of trouble. Uh, and so the tongue of others can do exactly the same. And I want to be honest with you this morning, I struggle in this area. I struggle in this area. Uh, I, I feel like there's a picture of a snake out there. Um, uh, it feels like, you know, I'm able to, to spit out these things without even thinking about them, you know. Uh, and often, um, you know, I'm challenged and think, where did that come from? Because I'm able to, to say them, and they can cut really deep, especially to those closest to me. And, and you'll read newspaper articles where, where a person lashed out, you know, uh, in racist statements and, and said certain things, and, and they go to court, and, and the, you know, the, their lawyer will defend them and say, the person had a brain snap. Well, it's because of what's going on in the heart many times. Uh, often, you know, at the university where I lecture, where there's students and they might say something silly and, and my first reaction is I'm going to wipe you out I'm going to embarrass you in front of your, the rest of your classmates and I think actually that's not the right thing to do but I have to count most times till 10 but at least 3 before I, I and then I know exactly what's going on in my heart before you know, I want to answer and I've got to count uh, my steps going backward and so we, we, we don't often understand what we're saying and uh, don't think about them. I think it's easier to write an email because when somebody writes me an email, then I'm, I quickly start typing <laughs> these venomous words that I will reply to them. And then when I read it again, thank God, I'm going, where did that come from? Delete, 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 delete. Dear Bob. Thank you for the email. That is really helpful. God bless you. Peter. 
if I were to actually send that email that was first typed up with these two little fat fingers, I'm thinking, my goodness, where did that come from? Because that is bad news. That is definitely not me being approved by God. I read some, some comments from a law journal on some funnies that have been recorded in the courts of law. A lawyer asking, you know, and this is in, in the official court records, a lawyer asking, was that the same nose you broke as a child? Let me say that one again because I don't think you got it. No, it was another nose and I got another one put on, you know. Now, doctor, the, the lawyer asks, isn't it true that when a person dies in his sleep, in most cases, he just passes quietly away and doesn't know anything about it until the next morning? So you die and you'll only kind of get to it the next morning. The lawyer asks, what happened then? And the person responds, and he told me, he says, I have to kill you because you can identify me. You can identify me. And so the lawyer asks, did he kill you? Guys, are you okay this morning? <laughs> the lawyer asks, was it you or your brother that was killed in the war? <laughs> the youngest son, the 20-year-old, how old is he? Okay, I'm going to stop there. Let me move on. Maybe you'll be able to relate to some of these that were found on insurance documents. You know, when people have an accident, they, they submit kind of reason for accident. These are some. Coming home, I drove into the wrong house and I collided with a tree I don't have. The guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law and headed over the embankment. That was me. No. <laughs> In my attempt to kill a fly, I drove into a telephone pole. The pedestrian had no idea which direction to go, so I ran over him. <laughs> you know, sometimes our tongues say something that we think is funny, but actually it's not. And it's often done in sarcasm. But we can really harm with our tongues. We can add so much good, but we can hurt others so bad. And so the problem is not so much what we don't say, the problem is what we do say. That can actually cut quite deep. Remember that uh, the Bible talks so much about the tongue. It talks about, uh, you know, that the tongue can be so negative. You know, that it talks about the wicked tongue, the deceitful tongue, the living tongue, the perverse tongue, the filthy tongue, a corrupt tongue, a bitter tongue, an angry tongue, a crafty tongue, and it carries on another 15 uh, other illustrations. And so it's very important to remember the part of the body that is so small, yet can do so much damage. So let me read to you James chapter 3, first in the NIV, and then I'll read it in the message, because it brings it out quite nicely again. James 3, 
Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we, we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Listen to how the message puts it. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues we bless God, our Father. With the same tongue we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth, my friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackfish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? So how can we train the tongue? How can we train our tongue? Think firstly, never misjudge its authority. And James tells us that uh, in verses 1 to 6, that you think that you can uh, tame your tongue, um, you know, but you, you often can underestimate its power because you misjudge uh, its authority. Because we can easily offend 
And that word offend uh, that James talks about uh, is you, you can stumble, you can fall, and you can cause so much misery. You can allow people to be crushed in the same breath and, and the same utterance by the words that we say. Because it's got so much power, power to control. In verses 3 and 4, he says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses or make them obey us, that word obey, uh, they, they rely on us. It's, it's, a, it's a beautiful Greek word that has this, it's got to do with you almost tranquilize them by the words that you say. I'm sure you've watched uh, programs on TV where they're going to the bush and they dart a big lion, and they tranquilize that lion. And when they tranquilize the lion, they knock him out. He's not dead. He's breathing fine. But when they tranquilize him, he's basically uh, out of action. And that's what that word means. When we obey, or, or when, when we utter words, they, they crush, they tranquilize, they can break people down. We can persuade people through the words that we say in a very negative way. As we can turn the whole animal, he says. Or take ships, you know, so that little bit in the horse's mouth or, or the small rudder in a huge ship, as an example, he says. They are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And that wants to go, vulome, uh, means where, where that that captain wills and intends. And so what is James saying here? We have so much control with our tongue and we can tranquilize people by the words we say and control them in whatever way we want to. Be careful, he's warning us, because we should never misjudge the authority and the power that that tongue has. Something small that can steer something so big. Tongues can direct people's lives. We can encourage or discourage. We can uh, heal people by the words we say, or we can actually break them down. Sticks and stones can break my bones, <laughs> but words can never harm me. Bring it on. No. You'll see two boxes you know, at the way in people who are about to have a fight, and the one actually manipulates and tranquilizes the other one by the words that they say. It's dangerous, James is saying. Very dangerous. The comments of a teacher or a friend, you know, uh, or a very significant individual. I'm told that the words of a father toward their children uh, are more powerful than the words of a mother. Because we can direct them uh, in the wrong way. We can build somebody up or break them down. In young people, did you know that if you say one bad thing to a young person, it takes seven good things to rectify that one bad thing? Let me say that again. If you say one bad thing to a young person, it takes seven good things to rectify that one bad thing. No wonder he says, be careful if you're a teacher, because you can actually break or make somebody. A teacher in your home, a teacher at school, a teacher at work, whatever it is. When we're guiding others, we've got to be careful, he's saying. Because those words have power 
to corrupt. In verses 5 and 6, he says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil. That word evil, injustice, uh, it, it can cause so much wrongfulness is what that word means. Among the parts of the body. It corrupts. It stains, it soils, it defiles is what that word means. And it sets the whole course of life on fire. That word sets, floyizo, it inflames with passion. It's not a small little fire that you almost have to encourage. No, it's a fire with passion that can destroy anything that comes in its path. Why? Because it's got a strong wind behind it. And it just goes and destroys with passion as it were. Can cause a world of evil is what James says. Never misjudge its authority because it has a lot of power and can be a very corrupting force. Secondly, he, we read it's easier to tame a tiger in the message. It's easier to tame a tiger. Now, when we turn it loose, we've got to be very careful and very controlled. And, and he gives us examples uh, of, of animals that, that can be tamed, a dog, a cat, uh, other animals. But, but he says that the tongue cannot be tamed. My uncle in South Africa had a farm. And um, we used to take turns and go and feed uh, this one bull. And I didn't know how bad this bull was, but it had it, its own enclosure. And so, you know, when your cousin set you up, it's not a good thing. Um, and so I went to feed uh, this bull. And I, I realized that, you know, it's on its own and it's not with the other, you know, cows and other bulls. And there's something going on here. And, um, you know, my uncle wasn't around, uh, hence the cousins setting me up. Uh, and, and when I went to go and feed it, I, you, you know when, when you feel this dark shadow behind you that something is not halal and kosher? <laughs> I, I felt this dark shadow in, behind me, and I felt there's something going on. As I looked, here was this massive bull. He saw this juicy rump, and he thought, man, this is, I'm going to charge this guy. And it's like that. You can't control this bull. It's wild. It's like taming a tiger. It's like taming a tiger. And, and, and so when, you know, when we, we don't guard our mouths, it's like that, that untamed tiger. Because we're not guarding our mouths. It goes wild and destroys, James is saying. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 23, we read, He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. And that word guards and keeps is the same Hebrew word in the original. He who guards and keeps his mouth is actually protecting and guarding themselves from calamity. That word means they're preserving themselves, they've got a hedge around them, they're actually protecting themselves, and they are saving themselves, if you like, from calamity. That word calamity from uh, distress and trouble 
and, you know, uh, from wrongness. I don't know if, if you've... Let me give you an illustration. I've gossiped about somebody. And then I thought, oh, I shouldn't have said that. And you go into the shopping center and you see that person that you gossiped about walk past and you go, oh, I better turn the other way. Because they, they might have heard what I said about them. It's a terrible place to be. And that's what uh, you know, the book of Proverbs is saying there. That be careful when you say something bad, it could come back like a boomerang. And so rather have a clear conscience and protect yourself. Draw a hedge around yourself because you don't want to feel walking kind of carefully all the time because you might have said something bad about somebody and they might be in the same shopping center as you. You go to the shopping center and you kind of go, that's their car. Let me go 100 kilometers away. No, that's not a nice place to be because we've said something bad with this mouth of ours. Tame the tongue. And he says, verses 7 and 8, all kinds of animals can be tamed. That word curbed and restrained, except the tongue, he says. What do you do with wild animals? You put them in a cage. Somebody said, you know, sarcastically, that's why God put the tongue behind the teeth, like a cage. Be careful. Be careful. Which leads me to the third and final point there. Uh, life and death from the same mouth in verses 9 to 12. David prays in, in Psalm 141 verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. And that word keep watch, it's, it's, it's a powerful word that, that set a guard like a guard at a very special place. A God at a monument, a God at a statue that, that uh, you, you're watching it all the time so it cannot be vandalized or destroyed. That's what James is praying. Uh, sorry, David is praying in the Psalms. Put a God in front of my mouth, God. Please do that so I can observe and catch what I say. Why? Because there's a problem with my heart. There's a problem with my heart. With the tongue, verses 9 to 12, we praise our Father, our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men. We who have made in God's likeness. I who have been made in God's likeness am able to curse somebody else who's also made in God's likeness. I'll never forget, back in Johannesburg, I'm at a traffic light, and it's green, and there's another car coming, and I've got worship songs praising, you know, in my car. Hallelujah, you know, just going, praise, you know, amazing stuff. And this car comes and it turns orange and I'm in the middle of the island or in the middle of the, the, the traffic lights. And then this person turns to their left or my right, but they didn't indicate, which they could have easily indicated and turned and I could have easily turned, you know, if they indicated and I started speaking Greek. <laughs> and it's amazing how this person who was at that traffic light was somebody in our church, and they could interpret Greek. <laughs> Later on in the day, I get this message. Pastor, that was not good. 
confession. <laughs> that was not good. Why? Because I'm listening to praise and worship in my car and singing along, and next minute there's this foul language that comes out of my mouth. I could have shown a foul sign or two as well. What's James saying? Out of the same mouth come praise, and that word praise there, ev logeo, ev meaning good, logeo words, good words, speak well, prosper. I'm, I'm good words, and I'm adding kind of to, to, to who God is when I say adding, praising Him, and, and amazing, it's good. And then the word cursing, meaning doom and evil, from that same mouth. Within a minute. My brothers, this should not be. Can fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. What's James saying here? Listen, what's going on in the heart will come out. And in the very same minute, you can have good stuff coming out and bad stuff coming out. Out of the same mouth. Why? Because maybe there's something going on in the heart. Matthew 12, verse 34. Easy to remember. Matthew 1, 2, verses 3 and 4, 34. Jesus says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And that word overflow, perisevame, abundance in which it delights. From the surplus of it, what is over and above it, from the over and above it of the heart, the mouth speaks. Scary stuff. Praising God and then cursing almost in the same breath. There's a story of this pastor making this wooden trellis. There's this young kid looking at the pastor. And the pastor's knocking these nails together and putting this trellis up and says, kid, now you can see how to put a trellis up. Why are you watching me so intently? And the kid says, I'm waiting to hear what you say when you knock your thumb. Because it's nice in one sense, but how do we respond in another sense? Psalm 51 verse 10, David cries out and he says, Create in me a pure heart, God, and make my spirit right again. Create, that would create, uh, cut down anything that's not needed in my heart, please God. Cut down the bad, cut it out. Creating me a pure, uh, this picture pure has got to do with, you know, um, when something is, is, is bad, you put a chemical in it to purify it. That's what he's saying. In other words, come and fill my heart with something good, God. And make my spirit right again. So I can stand upright before you. Not in shame, God. The living Bible says it this way. Create in me a new clean heart, O, o God. Filled with clean thoughts and right desires. May we say words that build people up. Rather than break them down. we don't like what we hear, then we must recognize that the problem is the condition of our heart. The condition of our heart. And our heart needs to turn. We need to humble ourselves before God. 
so we can say the right things. In that next slide, you'll see two little fish. They are called kissing gouramis. Kissing gouramis. And they look so beautiful. They've got nice, beautiful lips. And I'm told that it's a fish with fleshly, pouting lips, which is its characteristic feature. Compared to most other gouramis, this fish has a terminal mouth that can be protruded. Even the name of the family, Helostamotidia, is derived from this feature. Through the lip-locking act of these fish, may appear as, although they may appear as kissing, it is certainly not a display of love and affection, as in the case of humans. It has been suggested that their lip-locking is a sign of fight for dominance. usually happens among young males who want to defend their territory or feeding areas. Such aggressive behavior is also seen during breeding season to attract females. Although they look so good, there is something that is uh, you know, not good when they lock in there. And, and I know that that's what uh, human nature is all about. But folk, we are different from the animals. We can think. We don't act under instinct and go, I've been harmed, let me attack and devour. So James would ask, how do we conduct ourselves? Folk, let me end off by saying, when that temptation comes to wipe somebody out, to devour somebody, to, uh, if they've said something bad, to, to actually go the extra mile so we can really wipe them out. So in case they don't understand who they're dealing with, let me just wipe them out. Sometimes it's probably better to use three little words as you string three words together. I am sorry. You are right. I am wrong. Please forgive me. I love you. And a myriad of other three-word phrases. Because that can just diffuse something, or it can be like that fire that is fueled and just goes and destroys. And often to the ones that are closest to us. May we be encouragers encouragers, to build people up. The word encouragement in the Greek has this connotation of breathing fresh heart into somebody. May we be those kinds of people. Before I pray, to just share a verse with you. Folk, as you walked in, you might have seen uh, a whole lot of tables outside. We've got five tables, and today we want to um, allow people to put their names down to volunteer for some of the ministries in our church. Um, so if you, if you can, that'll be really amazing. There's a table for the kids' ministry uh, to be a Sunday school teacher or, or you know, help out in toddler jam on a Friday or a wild side on a Saturday. We, we need uh, somebody to help Lucinda in the kids' ministry. Please, anything you could do. We're not going to say to you, this is a book, go and teach it. But we need helpers to help her, to assist her in teaching our kids. 
There's one for youth ministry to help Jordan with 7.10 on a Sunday morning and collective uh, on a Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening. We need somebody for for Sunday morning ministry, we, need, we desperately need somebody for sound and for the, the multimedia and, and for the worship. We need somebody uh, for setup and, and pack down. When, when we finish up here, uh, we need somebody to help us to pack this away because we've got wobble, uh, a major outreach uh, of our church um, you know, wobble straight at 12 o'clock. So we've got to hurry up. And you're saying to me, can you hurry up? I'm about to finish. But can you come and help? Put your name down, please, for pack up and set up. You could be on once a month or once every five weeks or once every six weeks. But, you know, half an hour of your time, please, is desperately needed. There's be, be a table to put your name down there. NBL One Games, to do catering and to serve. Uh, that's a, a massive ministry of our church. We need people to be involved. And then the catering ministry uh, for different functions uh, we have at our church. Folk, we excel in catering in this church, as you can see. <laughs> but we need somebody to help. We need some people to help. Please. Oh, what can I do? Put your name down for something. Please. And you know what? You never do it alone. There's a team. And you know what? You might even love it. Please be involved. 1 Peter 4.10, offer or each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. The word grace there, you've received God's uh, charisma, God's favor. To what? To minister. Via conero, where we get the English word deacon. It's a verb. You put into practice what God has graced you with. For what? So for something good, whatever seeds you sow will fall on, on, on rich soil. They will be profitable is what that word means. To be good stewards, economos, economy, so we could you know, invest God's grace wisely. When you uh, do an investment, it's not so you can uh, kind of have a loss. No, you invest so you can make a profit. And when God has graced you or me, it's so we can put our gifts, his favor, into practice. So those we come into contact with can benefit from this. That's why we exist as a church, to reach out. So please put your name down. We want nobody doing two things until everybody is doing one. So a lot of people are doing a lot of things here, but not so many. So please put your name down for something small. I'm not going to watch you. I'm going to check if your name is down, and then only then can you leave. No, that's not going to happen. (laughs) Please put your name down. We desperately need people. We've got a lot, but we need more. God is blessing our church, blessing the ministry, and so we need people to put up their hands. Please, let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness and your love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Lord, we pray that we might be able to put a guard around our mouths and our tongues 
so we can build people up rather than break them down. Lord, purify us, we pray. Make us acceptable in your sight, Lord, so we can hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Please, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.